beginning to understand uh, the differences between civil law systems and code-based systems. There are different dimensions of analysis that lead us to generalizations. And so in the first chapter, it was the history of the development of the law, right? I <coughs> didn't talk much at all about common law, because <coughs> that comes in the second half of the book. But in the civil law countries, we have these three main branches of government, two of which are influenced by the Roman law system. And those two, France and Germany, have evolved differently from each other. Now we're going to talk about some of the structures of constitutions that coincidentally tend to be similar in civil law countries, but in not all civil law countries, but again, create a degree of variation of how these legal systems work, because legal systems are affected by constitutional law and administrative structure. And you can see there's going to be more variation uh, for your final exam, I'm not necessarily going to test you on all the fine details of these differences, but you should certainly be aware of them in order to learn how to think about how government structure affects legal process. So first, the uh, distinction that's made in the chapter is the distinction between uh, constitutional type and legal consequences. There are three main constitutional types. Can anyone name them? We have parliamentary systems, presidential systems, and semi-presidential. Parliamentary system is like uh, is the most popular system in the world. Political scientists tend to say it's the most flexible and the most durable, because in a crisis you don't have to wait to the next election. You can call a new election, or you can try to form a new cabinet. And that may solve the crisis of an, a dysfunctional majority. Um, presidential system, unlike a parliamentary system, has a head of state that's elected independently from the head of state or the head of government in a parliamentary system. Uh, a head of state and a head of parliament, head of government in the United States is the same person. The president represents the entire country and is also the head of the cabinet. In a parliamentary system, not always the case, but the typical case is to have a strong parliament with a strong prime minister accountable to the parliament and therefore must have a 50% uh, plus one majority to retain the confidence of the legislature. Please don't look at the internet. Okay, thanks. Um, parliament, parliamentary systems may have a strong head of state, but if they do, then it tends to be a semi-presidential system like in France. But all parliamentary systems will vary on the precise powers of the prime minister and the cabinet. But what they share is that the prime minister and the cabinet are elected indirectly by the parliament, not by the voters in the, in the constituencies. So as soon as a majority of parliament no longer has confidence uh, and they call a vote, a confidence and it fails to get 50% plus one vote, they have to either try to form a new par new cabinet uh, and then get the 50% plus one. And if they're failing that, then they have to call elections. Yes? Yes. Um, the parliamentary system is, is, is mostly the civil, civil law nation. No, it, it, that's why it gets complicated. The parliamentary system exists 
more frequently in common law systems than presidential systems. Uh, you have parliamentary systems uh, with common law, for example, in all <coughs> former English colonies except the United States, because the British Constitution uh, evolved from a monarchy to a parliamentary system. Our presidential system, which was invented by James Madison and the other founders, is more like the British Constitution of 1776 than the British Constitution today is. Can anyone explain that? How is it that our presidential system is more like the British Constitution of 1776 than the British Constitution of 2010 is towards 1776? Because the king had more power. There was a parliament and there was a king. The king was head of state. The prime minister was accountable to the king. You know, it was a first. It was a first minister, but the king could hire and fire at will. At that point, parliament did not dismiss the prime minister or the king. Okay, so we modeled our elected president on the king, because that's what we. Assuming they thought about, okay, they have a king. Of course, we want the king not to be a hereditary position. We'll elect that that king, and but it's still a king. And the king is not accountable, that is, our president is not accountable to Congress. So governing is much more complicated in a presidential system. Yes? Yes, um, because I read here in the book, on the beginning of the chapter, that most of the civil law nations will be found to have governments of the type known as parliamentary. Um, yes, but you didn't ask me that. You asked me if parliamentary systems were mostly common law or civil law. That was a different question. You asked me something quite different. Okay, what you said is true. I'm sorry, but I, at least as I understood your question, you were asking, I was talking about common law. Okay, so civil law countries tend to have a parliamentary system, but all of Latin America, if you read further in that same paragraph, what does it say about Latin America? Please read it. It's a huge exception. No, look about Latin America. Okay, so all of Latin America has civil law except for the Commonwealth Caribbean, Guyana, Jamaica, Barbados, and so forth. All of Latin America, South America, and most of Central America, and all of Hispanic Caribbean have presidential, have, have sorry, all of Latin America has presidents. The Commonwealth Caribbean has parliaments, but they have common law. Um, so you have that exception. And there are other countries that are civil law countries in the world that have elected presidents or semi-presidential systems. In fact, most of the French colonies have the French semi-presidential system, which we haven't talked about just yet. Um, so you, know, you, you made a very good point, which is the rule of thumb certainly is that civil law countries tend to have uh, parliamentary systems, but there's Latin America and other exceptions. Okay, so um, let me just get to semi-presidential and then we'll talk about how it affects legal process. Semi-presidential has a president and a prime minister, but the president is strong. In a parliamentary system, you can have an elected president, but the president is weak. In Germany, you have a president, not a king, uh, modern Germany that is, and that president has very few powers, mostly ceremonial. 
And that president, I believe, is elected by the legislature, not by the people. In England, you have a head of state that's inherited, Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, technically, she can dismiss the government. She does dismiss the government, uh, but she basically does what she's told. That's all done by tradition. Uh, technically, the queen calls elections, but basically she calls them when the prime minister tells her to call elections. Uh, but the queen is always there and is supposed to be above reproach precisely because if they had a constitutional crisis in Britain where the people didn't know what to do, and they almost had one last summer because they had this enormous corruption scandal in England where these legislators, members of parliaments, were giving themselves thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 of expenses, which basically is a glorified form of corruption. And you know, one guy had a moat built around his castle as part of his expense account. Expense account. Most of the people did not resign because all the parties were in, into this very deeply. Are you staying in the course? Just can't. Yeah, no, I gotta leave. No problem. Oh, yes. Thanks. No problem. Okay, so in a press, semi president, yes? Uh, so in France, like, who has the real power? Like, it, it will vary from period of time to period of time. Uh, they have an expression called cohabitation, cohabitation, which is a situation where the president is of one party and the prime minister, who is accountable to the parliament, is basically from the opposite party. They have a four-party system in France, but you have two conservative and two left of center, now basically one left of center party because the socialists are weak. Uh, but in any event, Giscard and Mitterrand were of the opposite party. So in that type of situation, the president is not very strong because the president still has to rely on the parliament to get legislation through. It's closer to a presidential system where you have divided government. Like if you ask the question, um, who's stronger, the Congress or the president now? Well, you know, with the filibuster rule, it seems like Barack Obama can't get health care reform even though the Democrats, we have unified government now, the Democrats have the majority of both House. In fact, nominally, they have 60 votes in the Senate, although one or two of the Democrats don't vote all the time, or they certainly use their bargaining power to get the 60th vote to get cloture and, and, and uh, then report the bill through. So, and most of my adult life, we've not had unified government. We did under Bill Clinton briefly, we did under LBJ, but most of the time, under Nixon, there was a Republican president and Democrat majority. Sometimes you have a Democrats in the House and the Republicans in the Senate. So it's very contextualized. So in France, and, and the majority of the countries of the world, here's another thing, the majority of developing countries of the world have semi-presidentialism. Okay, so you have common law and you have civil law. Um, so if you take into account that uh, the majority of the countries of the world uh, do not have parliamentary systems, then you would, it, you would just say automatically uh, that majority of the countries who have uh, parliamentary systems, have civil law, don't necessarily have parliamentary systems. I think the, the three authors are law professors and they don't know as much about comparative politics as maybe political science professor might know. But it, it's not really, the details are not important, okay? The important point is just to understand that you have different combinations, right? You can have it's not, it's not important to understand the frequency. What's important to understand is you would have a different context with a parliamentary system like England in common law from a parliamentary system in civil law like Germany, or a common law system like the United States with a presidential system, 
or a semi-presidential system like Pakistan or uh, France uh, or most developing countries, and if it's an English colony, common law, or if it's a French or German or Portuguese or Spanish colony, civil law system. The reason developing countries prefer semi-presidentialism with a head of state and a head of government, each elected separately, the head of government, that is the prime minister elected by the parliament indirectly, and the head of state usually elected in a direct election, is that uh, they get scared of one person having too much power. Uh, like it's sometimes said about people, their greatest weakness is their greatest strength, you know. You know, um, or the greatest strength is the greatest weakness. You hear that said about Barack Obama sometimes. He's so eloquent that sometimes people are not listening to what he says anymore because it's always oh, just him being eloquent again. And what I know is my jobs, you know, we don't have enough jobs. You know, we're trying to explain why Barack Obama's eloquence is, of course, there's a different explanation, which is all presidents are very popular when they start and the popularity goes down and it goes down further if the economy's lower and so on and so forth. Um, so, the weakness of a 70 presidential system is its strength. You know, you're not going to be overrun in a 70 presidential system as likely as you might be overrun by a tyrannical president or a tyrannical prime minister. And a tyrannical president is hard, hardest to stop. So the great risk of presidentialism is that the president can run wild and you can't stop the president from doing so except through impeachment, which is very difficult, or a coup d'etat. So presidential systems have more coup d'etats than prime ministerial systems. Now maybe that's also because prime ministerial systems also have more common law countries. Maybe it's the common law that makes coup d'etats less frequent, but you, you know, it's hard to generalize. Semi-presidential systems, it's the hardest to govern because you've got two heads with power and they're each quarreling with each other. But semi-presidentialism is the best one to stop coup d'etats unless the army gets so fed up that the two of them can't get things going and they get rid, rid of both of them. And even France almost had a coup. The Gaullist Constitution um, was written in response to a near coup in the Fourth Republic as a result of the Algerian crisis when France didn't know what to do in Algeria when the war was not going so well. And so de Gaulle had the semi-presidential system, which the way he saw it was originally going to be much more powerful than the way it's emerged. Um, and that leads me to the second set of criteria to understand context. And that is the extent of countries, well, their legal structure and the, their judicial review powers. Uh, this is very important to understand as well. And I'll summarize it the following way. As far as the structure goes, uh, Germany as one model has six different divisions of courts, each with its own highest court. Each court system is specialized, family law, property law, administrative law. The United States, most states have family courts, but generally it's a unified system. Okay, you go to one court for all kinds of law. And the, we've got one Supreme Court that decides not only constitutional disputes, but also interpretation disputes that can't be settled by the circuit, that still raise important questions. As a practical matter, the US Supreme Court mostly just functions as a constitutional court. But many countries of the world have a constitutional court and a Supreme Court as the highest court for each areas of these divisions of law. France, inherited from Nap the kings and then from Napoleon, have a Conseil d'Etat, Council of State. 
Constitutional review is much more limited in France, and this system has been imitated in Belgium and Italy, so that essentially uh, the principle of legislative supremacy is more important, or executive supremacy is more important. In other words, the courts can't strike down laws as unconstitutional because they violate um, either the law or an administrative act violates the constitution of the country. The courts have that power in the United States. They don't have that power in England. Until recently, it's been introduced through the European Court of Human Rights. So England has no judicial review, which is the power to strike down laws as unconstitutional. Uh, France has the Council of State, part of the executive branch, and a special council that's been established, which can only review legislation that's been requested for constitutional review only before it takes effect and only for legislation, not administrative acts. So Belgium, Italy, I don't have time, I'm sorry, we're out of time, so. Um, only Italy, I'll answer your question privately. Uh, only Italy, Belgium, uh, and France have this model, but in, in the heart of Europe, you've got a system basically where constitutional review through the judiciary doesn't exist in France because it's through the executive branch, and what they have to do is very, very limited. Most countries around the world have adopted the American model of judicial review, which means that there is much more checks and balances by the judiciary on the legislative and the executive branches. And that means that the role of courts, especially the highest court in most countries, but not all countries, is a very, very important role and is one that inspires a lot of judicial activism and raises debates about the roles of judges that you hear frequently in the United States context. Uh, England, by contrast, has no judicial review at all, uh, except for, as I mentioned, the European Court of Human Rights Review on Human Rights Matters and the European Court of Justice now reviews Britain on certain matters of European Union law. So you have, again, constitutional structure varying enormously, which affects the powers of judges, which affects the way civil law and the law in general functions in different countries. So we've under, we've, the first class of the chapter, we discussed the nature of civil law as opposed to common law. Today, we talked about constitutional structures that vary. And, and, and both of these are the two most important ways that law, legal systems interact with politics and government structures and the economy. Okay, thanks very much.